is Adam. We had the incredible opportunity to talk to Dennis Lloyd over Zoom video. Dennis Lloyd was born and raised in Tel Aviv, and he talks to us about how he got into music, started playing trumpet at a very early age, around eight years old. He was fascinated by the trumpet, started playing that. His sister got a guitar for her birthday a few years later, a classical guitar with the nylon strings, and he kind of stole it from her. So from around, I think he was 11 or 12 or so, he started playing, he'll tell you. Uh, he started playing classical guitar, and so he had the classical guitar, and he had the trumpet, and he started performing and writing his own songs about a USB mic at an early age, which came with some software, and he started recording and producing himself. And when he turned 18 in Israel, you have to do three years in their army, in their military. So he went in the Navy, spent three years there, and said, okay, if I come out of the Navy and I want to continue doing music, then I'll, I'll do that as a path. If I don't lose interest in it over the next three years. And he gets out of the military. And of course, that's all he wants to do. So he starts recording more music. A friend of his gets wind of what he was doing. And his friend was living in Thailand and just said, hey, like this, I feel like this is going to do really well here. So he ends up moving to Bangkok. And from there, that's when his career really changed. He wrote the song Nevermind, put it out when he got back to Tel Aviv. And the thing blew up. I guess they didn't have Spotify in Israel, so he didn't really know exactly how well the song was doing. But he was able to get a huge YouTube channel to kind of support it. And that's where his career really skyrocketed. He has a new record out called Some Days, which is basically all about the time from Nevermind being released to the present. So, so he hears backstory up until Nevermind, and then he dives really deep into the time he spent between then and putting out this new record. A lot of ups and downs and working with Kygo. He had a chance to work with him on the record. So he goes really deep into this new album. It's called Some Days, and it already has over 100 million streams on Spotify within the first month, which is crazy. You can watch our interview with Dennis Lloyd on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Dennis Lloyd. Our podcast is about you, man, and your journey in music. And uh, all about this new record, which is obviously like it's been out for like a month, I think. And it has over 100 billion streams on Spotify. So crazy. Yeah? So cool. Wow. So cool. Um, yeah. And I love the because this podcast is about your like origin story. And I love that the new record from what I read is kind of about the time in between what Nevermind and now. Right. Kind of the yeah. journey through success. But I'd love to hear kind of your backstory and then we can get into the new record if that's cool. Yeah, sure. Where do you want to start? Let's start with uh, being born in, born in Tel Aviv. Uh, yeah, I was born in Tell Aviv. Uh, Tell me about that. And, yeah, June 18, uh, 1993. Um, <laughs> so I'm 28 now. Yeah, I mean, like I started playing the trumpet when I was eight, eight years wow. old. Um, yeah. And uh, a few years later, my sister had a birthday. She's older than me. And um, she got a guitar for my parents. It was like a classical guitar, you know, nylon one. Mm -hmm. um so i managed to steal it and <laughs> just like play she, she got a book with it so yeah i learned a few chords uh just like through the book and yeah 
I think since the moment I learned three or four chords, uh, I started writing songs and melodies in my head and, and just like humming it and singing it. And um, yeah, when I was 14, I think, I was in the U.S. with my okay. family. And um, Did I you guys purchased move? Um, a move from Tel Aviv. Did no, you guys no, no, move from, like oh, no, just, just the little trip? Okay. Yeah, just a few weeks. Uh, I think it was like the West Coast. And um, yeah, I, I bought like a shitty USB microphone, you know, like the ones that you just like connect. It comes like with a, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. like a software and you can record. And yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy it. It was hundred bucks. And I came back home and I started recording. And uh, wow. How old are you? I started you? producing my stuff at, at 14. Oh, okay. You so did say that. 14 when you got was, the USB I, mic. Yeah. So it was really like, um, I would say before YouTube was a thing and, and I, I used to read like forums. I don't know if people are like aware of like what it is now. Uh, just like, uh, I know what a forum is, but I'm here. Like you it's kind of like Reddit for people that don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much it. And, uh, yeah, I just like used to read like, uh, how to operate the software and the microphone and get like sound of the vocals and guitar and everything. Um, yeah, ever since that moment, I started recording more and producing more. Um, I went to an art school to a jazz major um, as a trumpet player. As a trumpet player. And it, yeah, yeah. And I think it was the first time in my life that I heard jazz music because I grew up listening to Nirvana and Audio Slave and, and Soundgarden, you know, okay. like rock music. Uh-huh. Sometimes like some reggae music, maybe. So jazz was completely different for me. And um, and I didn't like it for the first really? like year or two in high school. Like, bro, it's super weird. Like, like when you <laughs> when you come from rock music, you're like, what, what is that? I, sure. I don't know what I'm listening to. So it took me some time, like a year, until wow. I find found out like the magic in jazz. And yeah, I started listening to jazz when I was probably like 16, 17. Um, and when I was 18, I you know, in Israel, you got to join the army. So oh, yeah. I chose you to do to two go years, to... right? You got to do two years, three. no matter what. Three, three years. years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I decided to go to the, na- to the Navy. Um, and I was in the Navy for three years. And actually, like, I, I could go, like, I could choose to go to an orchestra or be like, a, it's called like an excellent player or something like a, uh, that you can manage to have a career and not really do like a service a serious service um and i i at that point i i thought that this could be like a good lesson for me like take three years off doing like music you know because as i told you like i started playing music when i was eight and mm-hmm. for 10 years that's everything like i was doing just music um so i chose to do something completely different and go to the navy and i said to myself that if after three years uh, I still want to make music. So I think that's what I got to do for the rest of my life. You know, it's kind of like a, when you go on the highway and sometimes like you're just driving because everyone is driving and you got to take like a coffee break and, and fill up the gas and think about like your destination, where you're heading, you know, mm-hmm. and not be like a robot. And for me, yeah, I think it was really, really helpful because when I finished my service, like when I was 21, um, so yeah, I, I was just sure that drawn I to, music. to make music. You know? When you were in the Navy, so you didn't join the the orchestra in the Navy, you were just you just stopped playing all to, altogether for three years? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, it was really about changing the intensity of music in my life. And okay. if I used to record a lot and, and play a lot every day. So in the Navy, it was probably like in weekends. Um, I would record maybe like once a month or once in two months. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it was really like putting it aside for a second. Wow. I have some questions about uh, a, a real quick back back quite a bit here. I'm curious what drew you to the trumpet at eight. Did your was your like a member of your family a trumpet player or? No, oh, actually, like in my school there was a, a music department uh, when I was really young, um, and there was a saxophone player and a teacher and also a drum teacher and also a guitar and, and trumpet. And one day they had like a showcase of all the instruments of the music department, and I remember listening to the trumpet and I was. Like literally blown away, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I was like, bro, this sound is like, and this instrument is so beautiful and so powerful that I, I knew that I had to learn how to play. Okay, and then so you just continued with the trumpet, and then when you when you stole your sister's guitar, that was just kind of another side little thing that you enjoyed yeah, doing. Sorry, you cut out there for a second. Yeah, where? Oh, there you go. Um, I uh, let me just start over because you were cutting in and out. I was just curious. You so um, when you picked up your sister's guitar, um, you, that was kind of just something that you did as a hobby, like on the side. You were continuing trumpet, obviously, all the way through school. Yeah, I felt like I needed a, an instrument that can uh, like have an album, you know, like a, like a piano, or guitar, or something, because the trumpet is. You know, you can play like one note. Uh, I mean, like I saw people playing two trumpets and having like chords, uh, but yeah, that's not it. So that's why I felt like I need like a harmony instrument. Sure. Okay. Okay. So once you once you finish your service in the Navy and you decide, okay, I want to, I'm going to pursue music. Pursue what's the first thing you do? Do you come home and what start go back to the USB mic and start recording, or what, what was next for you? Um, so next, I knew that like in Israel, like everyone after the service go travel, you know, they go to Latin America or India or, or Southeast Asia or something like that. And I couldn't choose like where I want to go. So I decided just like to start working and, and saving money and just wait for, you know, like it was sound like a cliche, but like wait for the universe to show me like a sign, you know, of where I got to head. And so I, I was a waiter and a DJ for like, like separately. <laughs> um, uh, for like, uh, <laughs> separately, say, yeah. yeah like, you uh, want to just get up there and put a track on and go grab the exactly, table. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I had two jobs, like day Got job it. and night job. So. <laughs> so it was like that. Um, he called me, my friend, and he said like, look, I have a friend in Bangkok that he wants to talk to you. And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do like a Skype call or a video call. And then like he said, I had like two or three songs out back then. Uh, and he said like, bro, I think your music is going to work here in Thailand. I think people are going to love it. I think you should come. And I was like, yeah, okay, fine. That's exactly the sign that I needed, you know? Sure. Um, so I, I was like, yeah, I'll see you there. I hung up the call and I bought a ticket. 
and a few months later, I was I was in Bangkok with two suitcases. It was actually like I upgraded my mic uh, till then. Uh, it was not like a USB microphone, so I just packed everything in two suitcases, bought a guitar, and I flew to Bangkok. <laughs> Whoa! What were, were the songs that you you had out prior to when you when you moved there? Were they are those up still? Do you still have those out? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Playa and Snow White. I think. Oh wow! Okay, so those are the, yeah. so those are the very first two songs you ever put up. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't know like, that. Playa is like uh, mid twenty fifteen June mm-hmm. or, or May or something. Oh my gosh! Okay, so you get there. How did they hear your music? Just through your friend. Yeah, yeah. It was just like one friend, like a mutual friend. He was calling me and said, like, I think you should come here. I think people are going to love the music. And I was like, yeah, fine. I'm, that's that's all I need. Oh, my <laughs> God. So then you, you get there and do, obviously people love the music. Are you performing out of like how, how are you getting I in, mean, in, like, in front of people? Are you just playing wherever you can? So actually, like when I got there, it, it was never about uh, playing shows. It was just about going to Bangkok and see what's going on there and I don't know. I felt like I needed to get out um, and spend some time alone. And yeah, when I got there, I stayed at uh, my friend's place for a week until I found uh, an apartment. Um, and when I moved there, like to my new apartment, I was like, I-, I think I should just make music. I didn't have like Wi-Fi. I didn't have anything in the apartment, you know, just cooking stuff um, and a bed. And I was, yeah, I, I mean, that's all I need. I-, I don't think I need to perform or maybe... Uh, that's what I thought at the beginning. And mm-hmm. after I think uh, two weeks or three weeks, um, he, he called me again, this friend, like the Thai friend. And he said, look, there's a festival in Pattaya in Thailand. And I think you can play there. I can get you a slot. Like, uh, yeah, was, yeah, let's do it. I mean, for sure. That's why I'm here for now. And <laughs> two weeks. And I was like, yeah. And I proved it, you know, like immediately I was like, yeah, I'm going to play Sure. It's gonna be great and when i it was probably two weeks before and i realized that i don't have enough songs it's like the set is like 60 minutes uh-huh. 55 minutes or so uh-huh. and i had like my original songs uh, i don't know 25 minutes you know oh, wow so okay. i gotta play another like double double your minutes. set yeah at least that was my set like with covers that i've never played and you know like you have like the original part and you have like the rest which is it was shit literally shit and and i was um i was really nervous about it and and i got sick for for i don't know like a week and i'm talking like two two and a half weeks before um and i got sick and i'm i have no wi-fi i don't have internet i can't communicate with my family my friends or anything and I was like just sitting in bed and thinking, and I couldn't play anything because I was sick, so, I, like uh, instruments or, or my computer. And I couldn't read because I had like one book and I hated it after two pages. So <laughs> all I had to do for a few days, bro, it was like an illusion, really, because I had like fever and everything. Um, and I was like, I got to take care of myself. But then I fell asleep and then I woke up and I was yeah, like one day after, like, I think it was three or four days being in bed, just like drinking water. Um, I woke up, it was probably like 5 a.m. And I was like, yeah, I, I should go to the supermarket and get some groceries. And I went there and I got back. And from that point, I was like, I w- I'm just going to do it. I'm going to be fine. Um, and when I got to the stage, I played the 25 minutes uh, original songs. Mm-hmm. Bro, it was crazy. After 25, 23 minutes, like the last song, I'm talking like that. 
two, three minutes, like the last song, um, something happened to the sound system. Really, bro, I was like, <laughs> like something, like, I don't know, the, out, the, the, the front of house became the monitors and something like fucked up, like in the sound, exactly like a minute before I'm finishing my original part. Last you know? song of your original like, set. Exactly, right before the shitty comments. Right there. Right and, before and shitty cover. Right, right before this, <laughs> this part. And, you know, I see people like, we can hear you. And I was like, yeah, let's stop the show and see what's going on. And, <laughs> and they were like, you should, you should go back and we can sound check quickly and you can continue the show. And I was like, guys, I'm a pro. I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> shit happens. It's all good. I'm going to finish the show here. I'm fine. I'm not mad. <laughs> I was like, like, don't worry. I'll just do, I'll just finish this last song. I'm gonna finish this last one, and then it's gonna be done for me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I was saved, and people were like eager to hear more. So it worked out perfectly. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then, uh, so now you have this booming, probably a fan base now, right? People are like excited, and they want to hear more songs and. Like when when does Nevermind come out? When does success of that happen? Was it fairly soon after that? Because I, I um, believe I read that you wrote that in in Thailand, right? I, I wrote it in Thailand. I mean, I wrote around forty songs when I was there. Wow. Uh, in the course of time of like this year that I was there, um, and Nevermind was actually my probably one of the la latest releases when oh, I okay. really like I, I would say like a month before I got back home. Mm -hmm. um i released it i wrote it i think in june like somewhere in in the middle um and yeah i mean i felt really strongly about this song i thought that it could be really successful and when i got back home um i remember talking to my mother and she showed me like a the newspaper with an article about a, an artist that someone remixed his song and he went viral and had like hundreds of millions of streams and i was yeah, maybe I should try have like a remix for my song because I've I've never done anything like that. So I opened my my laptop and it was really natural. You know, it took me two and a half hours and I had it and I was it sounds good. I love it. Let's release it and see like how is it gonna how is it gonna do? And you know, like as a um, you know a young artist with no fans or no like serious fan base and you right. want to have like the exposure you, you got to think how you're going to do it um so i decided to i, I started the, there were channels on youtube that were posting music you know mm -hmm. just like uh the, the vibe guide or marvelous and you know all, all these big channels with like millions or hundreds of thousands of subscribers and they got like a lot a, lo a lot of views for the song so maybe i should try that so i remember sending probably 10, 15 emails every day to these channels, you know, go to the about tab in YouTube and oh, contact, yeah. you know, and just send it over and say like, bro, I want to premiere this song like in, in your channel. And I send mm -hmm. it for like, I don't know, hundreds of channels. I, I really smart. don't remember how many. That's really smart. I, I remember like a lot. And the first one who got it was a marvelous channel. It had like, I don't know, 400,000 subscribers. And I was very happy. And he said, like, yeah, bro, I love the song. Let's do it. And I sent him the song and he, he posted it. And I remember following it. And at the same time, I uploaded it through CD Baby, you know, just like oh, licensing yeah, yeah. it and sure. putting it uh -huh. all, all over the, the, um, like the web and, and, and streaming platforms. Yeah. Exactly. 
So um, I remember following like the YouTube count on, on this marvelous channel and I see like 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 100,000. And one day I get like an email um, saying like a request about Nevermind uh, from a record label. And I was, wow. what? You know, <laughs> I was like really <laughs> surprising to see. I mean, like the song had like 100,000 like views on, on YouTube. And two hours later, I got like an, another email, another, another email. In, in a week, I think I got like 14, 15 emails of like record labels from Germany, France, US, every, everyone asking about Nevermind. And wow. at some point, I, I started having calls, you know, like on the phone, talking to labels, talking to ARs, talking to, and they all talk about Nevermind. And I'm like, at some point, I was, I had to ask, how did you find the song? Right. I mean, I had like, 150,000 views on YouTube. That's not something that should attract like anyone, you know? I mean, that's um, a lot, but yeah, it's not like millions upon millions. It, it right? was like a, lot, like a TikTok really success, a like, right? Yeah, I mean, like at that point, like 100,000 for me was a lot, you know? Oh, it sure. Really, I mean, it's still it a lot. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, and I guess if you look at your catalog like at a hundred million with within a month, <laughs> <laughs> so look when I asked them, like, oh, like, how did you find me? And they all said the same, like, you should open Spotify. And my answer was always the same, what the fuck is Spotify? Because it wasn't available in Israel, oh. Spotify was available in Israel probably like a year ago or something like that, a year and a half ago. You really, know, it's, it's very new. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't available. I mean, you can use Spotify in Israel, and they also like you gotta open Spotify. So I managed to do it like through VPNs and stuff and log into Spotify, bro. When I open Spotify, I see never mind all around the playlist, like all around the world, really, like viral charts. Uh -huh. Like in, I, I think like fifteen countries, or, or and the biggest playlist. It was like apparently like um. um a Spotify editor in, in Berlin, she heard a song, she liked it, she put it like in a, in a big playlist swag in, in Germany. And mm -hmm. from there, it was just a snowball all around the world, bro. And I had no idea. I had That's no idea, nuts. <laughs> so when did you, like how, after, how long after the song was released did you look on Spotify? And was, I mean, obviously I, Spotify got it through CD Baby, right? And then you didn't know what it was I doing think, because you didn't I think have it. Was, it. I think it was probably like a month or maybe, yeah, I think around a month after releasing the remix. Oh my gosh. It's just, it was so weird. Really so weird. <laughs> That's crazy. So now you're getting these calls from these record labels and how overwhelming was that? I was, I mean, like until, <laughs> until today, I'm still like overwhelmed. It's, <laughs> it's like, I'm still overwhelmed. Yeah. Shut up, dude. <laughs> it was, no, I mean, like for me, it was really, if you watch the Sugarman uh, movie. Oh, yeah. yeah, so yeah. I, I felt like that something like that, that like the song exploded and I had no idea, you know, uh -huh. and, and everyone like played the song around the world and I had no idea that they're doing it because I'm here in Tel Aviv and I have no fucking clue. So it was really, really overwhelming, and especially like start to have like the the uh, all these calls with uh, literally like the biggest labels. Wow! And then it was obviously you sign, you sign a deal, and do you at this point are you like uh, what? How do I 
like, what are you thinking as far as like, how do you do? You, are you thinking like, I should follow this up with a bunch more songs or should I take advantage of the success of this song and get on the road? Like, what is what's your next move? I, I would imagine you're kind of probably being pulled in a bunch of different directions. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I signed a, a, like a record deal, but it was really for a few songs. I think it was five or six songs. Um, this was the first deal I ever signed. So it was really exciting to suddenly work with a label and have a team pushing your music and everything. Um, and, it, and we started working on the record. And at some point I, I finished like a relationship that I had and I started writing songs about it and I wrote Never Go Back. Oh, and wow. when yeah. I and I when I wrote it, I was because it was exactly like the continuation of Nevermind. So mm -hmm. when I wrote it, I was like, "Yeah, that's the next single for sure." It it builds like a story and it makes complete sense, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I sent it over to the label, and they didn't want this song. So <laughs> they didn't. So no. Oh man, no. you showed them. And like, <laughs> they, they had like yeah, I mean like they I, yeah, it was so weird though. And I, cause I really believe, I still believe like this song is really good. You know, I'm happy oh, about it. And I, I think, I think it's like song, almost, so. I think over 200 other million people think that as well. <laughs> yeah. I think now they think like that, but yeah, back then um, it was an issue and we got to a point where I like, we are having a problem with the record label, like a legal problem. Cause mm -hmm. I want to, I, I want to release this song, not another song. And, and this is the, perfect song to release after Nevermind. Um, and yeah, I mean, it got to a point where for two years I couldn't release music because I was stuck there. Um, oh, yeah, like lawyers, in a, some, yeah, like in the contract. Oh my gosh. Bro, this was like, and at the same, like these two years are the two years that Nevermind is like building up and building up higher and higher, like all around the world. Bro. This is like the time, the perfect time that you have like the momentum to, to release another song or an album or an EP. Um, and I couldn't do it. It was so frustrating and I couldn't oh. talk to anyone about it, you know, cause you don't want to call. You're like just locked into the, Yeah. You could get like, a, you, yeah. Le legality comes in and you can't, yeah. I've heard the story and not your story, obviously, but I've heard like instances where that will happen, where a label will pick somebody up and then they're kind of like, they want to just keep releasing music or like, okay, I got a new song. I got this. I want to keep putting it out. And then the label's like, no, 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 no. We have this plan. But it sounds like they didn't even want to put out the the song that you yeah I mean that song <laughs> that song is obviously a smash. I, I think that like sometimes when artists sign to labels or more like labels sign artists, um, they sign them for a reason, you know, because because mm -hmm. of the music they make, because of I don't know like who they are, what they are, what they represent, their message. And I think sometimes there are people in the industry that want to change that after they mm -hmm. sign the the um, the artist. And he made like a, let's call it like an, uh, he laid a golden egg, like a hit song. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like they want to replicate it, you know? Mm -hmm. But luckily, like the after this situation was done, I signed up to Sony and this was no longer an issue. Because right. really like, and, and you know, like uh, as an artist, it, it can be super frustrating to work with a label, especially when you have a creative vision and people like, you know, want to control it and change it. And mm -hmm. I remember having meetings like with Sony and Warner and, and others. And, you know, like they, when you go to a label meeting, they, they all like show you the, the staff and, and they, they show you the place and the merch department and this department, radio department. 
And like eventually, and they all like, uh, you know, like uh, have a uh, have you as a guest there, you know, like right, play right. music and have your photos there. Wine and dine you. <laughs> exactly. And eventually, like they get to a point where they ask you, like, okay, let's let's hear from you. What do you want? What are you looking for? Mm-hmm. And me, like, as a you know, Israelis, they love to negotiate and sometimes be like tough a bit. And, and I was like, <laughs> I know how the music is going to sound. I know how the videos are going to look and I know how I want to tour. I'm lo- I know everything. I have the complete vision. I'm just looking for someone to not fuck it up. That's exactly <laughs> what I said in every meeting. And I That's was like, so I think awesome. they, they really, uh, I was just like straightforward because I know how I want this shit like to be, you know, right. I just needed to not fuck it up and let me do what my thing. And yeah, <laughs> luckily I, I found like Sony and Arista, especially. Oh, wow. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I'm de- I have the idea. Just don't mess this up for me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> wow. So then they obviously put out the, the record. It does awesome. Um, and you're what at that point? The, then do they put you on the road and you're selling out like huge venues and across the world? Or so how does it work? Touring started, I, so touring started, um, I think... It was the year of Nevermind, I think, was the first tour. Okay. Um, we played, I think it was 14 or 16 shows. Mm-hmm. It was uh, 10 in Europe and six in the US, if I'm correct. Um, and like a, a guerrilla tour, like like you see in the movies, you know, uh, share beds like with the, with the players. And we, had, we were like, just like, because my team is my friend. So I have Ozzy, which is my best friend, and he was the tour manager. Oh, Although he's cool. like a videographer and my friend Rome is the saxophonist. So we used to share bed like all the time and have like small Airbnbs just to manage to sleep in a, 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 every city and, and just like play the next shows. And we all got sick on the road. It was like, bro, like a, like a show like, that you have, I don't know, 150 or 200 fans in the venue. You got to put up the equipment before you got to tear it down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, tear it down like after the show. So yeah, it was like literally like doing everything, and it was exactly like you see in the movie. It a lot of hard amazing. work. <laughs> yeah, it's wow. just like you have the worst time of of your life, but like when you look back on it, you're like, oh, I had so much fun. Exactly. Right, right. <laughs> you're like suffering, but like in the future, you're gonna be fine with it. Right, right, right. So then, when you put out never or when when never go back came out, was the touring a bit different at that point? um in terms of what in terms like of you, like yeah as far as like the gorilla style like once you go with sony music does it change a bit like are you still are you still doing that like grunt work as far as ripping your gear down or is that when like the shift kind of changes yeah so so my like touring is not related to to sony i mean like they are not oh, okay not, not part of it. Of, like, Got organizing okay. it or, or i mean like we all work for for the same purpose but that's something that i, I knew before signing a deal that I need to control touring because I know that it can be tough and I don't want to get to the point where people tell me like, you go play like 50 or 60 shows now. Right. Uh, right. And I'm like, no, I don't want to, you know, like I don't want to okay. be like obligated to do anything in terms of like touring. I, I'm, I want to be able to control everything. Okay. So, so yeah, I mean like the next tour was like bigger venues and we, we got a tour bus finally. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. That was my it, next it question. Better. That was my question. Like, did it? Obviously, it stepped up. And was it after that next? After that first tour? I mean, obviously, you, yeah. You kind of gradually got bigger and bigger. 
So that, I that, mean, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the intensity was still intense, but uh-huh. yeah, it was still the same, but the, the conditions were better. Sure. Okay. Well, I know that this, this, I want to talk to you about your new records. So some days we, as we kind of touched on earlier is about the journey between nevermind and now. Right. And so tell me a little yeah, bit about that. Like exactly. I, I, from what I read is you got kind of burned out what in the end of 2019 and almost like the pandemic kind of gave you a little bit of chance, a chance to kind of what refocus, regroup a little bit. Yeah. So I, I think it's better that I just like explain uh, what is it about? I mean, you touched on it that it's really about the five past five years of my life since uh, I left to Bangkok and, and yeah, and, and never mind blew up and everything started to happen. Um, so it's pretty much from that point until today, until after the last tour that I had back in 2019, uh, I think right before the, the um, uh, pandemic started. Um, and this tour was like, the, the <laughs> there's only one difference between like doing it and having fun and doing it and not want to do it like ever again. And it's one tour. That's the only difference. And one tour, like too many. And I think for me, this was the, I was exhausted. And I had like a long tour in the summer for three and a half months. So I got back home for two months, I think. Uh, and I got back on the road. Um, and it was, I would say like a very condensed tour, like uh, 30 days, 20 shows, 17 countries. Like, bro. A lot. <laughs> Why? A lot, a lot. I mean, you have uh, back-to-back shows and you have back-to-back-to-back shows and it's like, you have no fucking idea. You wake up in the morning, you open the, the tour bus window and you're like, I don't know where I am. You go down and you hear German. You go down and you hear Polish. and You, you go down and you, you hear French. You're like, you have no idea, you know? No idea of where you're at. And I, I, I had like some issues like in this tour, like, you know, I was really, really anxious, really stressed and, and I didn't have fun. I mean, it was too too much for me, I would say. It was just like too much. And when I got back home, um, my manager was here in Israel and and I told him like, Josh, I need I need a break. I need some time to just process everything that happened, everything. I need time to work on music, you know? I need my Bangkok time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was re- literally like two months before they started announcing the, the pandemic all around the world. Um, I man, I managed to to get to some sessions in in the West Coast in in LA. Uh, it was really productive, uh, but yeah, I was there for like two weeks, and I was supposed to stay in New York for another week. And I thought like I, I gotta head back home before I'm stuck here. So that's when you start when you started getting wind of what was going on when you're when you're in the United States when you're in LA. Yeah. Yeah, wow. I, I remember, yeah, like uh, going like in Ubers, like in LA and, and reading the news, like in Israel, and they all speak about like a, a virus and shit like that. And you're like sitting in the car, and you're like, oh, oh, I'm still hyping. You know, like, I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's just that intense. So I'm like, you're because you're reading news in Israel. Was was the pandemic more taken more seriously? You feel like uh, through their news before it really hit in the United States? Because I, I mean, it's obviously two opposite sides of the world, right? 
Oh, you were just following it there. So, so from there, you know, okay, I should get back. And then you get back and then, so were you already starting to write some days at this point when you were in LA? Yeah, I mean, I was working on songs, uh, and I also had songs that I wrote, um, back when I had, uh, record label issues, and, you know, I, I realized that every time that I have, like, look at something like, or, um, to start, I feel like driving, it's just like, I write a song, and I put it in the sky, and I wrote a song, and I put it in the sky for five years, and, and that's the point, but I think half the, the album, Living just like in, in the last five years, and you know, it sounds like oh, so it's moving on, and, and so living like two years. And then I had so let's say I don't know, six to seven songs were moving before, and then I got back home and away, and I had a few more songs. Everything was just connected, so that's the first time in five years that I had the time to really like focus everything that happened, you know. Uh -huh. Literally, like my life changed in one age, you know. And from being like unknown to being a to have like a song like blowing up all over and touring and fans and everything, it was just like really overwhelming. So I took I really took this time, like when I got back home, um, to to think about it and think and, and bring up like, like everything that I ever felt like in the past five years, whether it's touring and promo and labels and, and everything, just open up. Wow. Wow. So wow. it's been about five years that you were kind of, you, you did, you, were you able to like kind of, um, you know, sit and reflect on all that and then write the record or was it like p bits and pieces over the past five years that you were able to kind of sew everything together into what became this record? Well, I think really like um, half of the record, like half of the album is, is, was written in the past five years. Oh, okay. Um, like some songs like Anxious, songs like uh, um, Moving On, Irrelevant. Um, yeah, I mean, many songs on the record were written <clears throat> during like the, <clears throat> during the uh, record label situation, uh, some depressions that I had. Um, mm -hmm. You know, everything was just like connecting. And when I had the time to reflect and think about everything, that's why I could complete, you know, the entire album. Got it. Okay. Wow. And I know you did write a song with, well, The Way was the song that you wrote with Kygo? Yeah. And what was that done? What in that time span when you were in LA pre pandemic? Be right before, before it? it was, yeah, it was, um, I think 2019, if I'm correct. Okay. I was there like on a tour, on the long tour. Yeah, 2019. The long tour, the, the three and a half months on the road. Mm -hmm. Um, I got, I, it was really about uh, an EP that I, I wrote and I released with Never Go Back, GFY and stuff. Um, so I went on tour, the Never Go Back tour, and Kaigo hit me up and he said, like, look, I love the EP, let's have a session. And he said, like, I'm in Vegas and I was in the West Coast. And so we took a flight and we had a session. It was great, really. So we managed to work on it a bit. And I took the record and just, like, finished the lyrics and, and the melodies, like, when I was uh, like 
when I had like an, on this tour, I had like a wow, bro, so long, like three and a half months, and I had a break of like ten days, and I took a flight, like I took like more like five flights to Latin America to spend ten days like in the jungle. I wrote this down, and I got back on the road. Bro, I'm 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 a bit uh, crazy. <laughs> you're you're yeah, quite adventurous. I did read yeah, you went to a Colombia and just yeah. hung out in the jungle. That's yeah. bold, right? I mean, from Australia, bro. I go, I went there from Australia. It took me like twenty something hours, I think. It was like five flights. It was so crazy. And you were you by yourself? Like, how do you even take something on like that? <laughs> like, you're um, just like, where's the jungle? I'm gonna go ahead and like, how do you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I just left my stuff in New York, and I took a backpack, and I and I went there, you know, for ten days, and I got back to New York. Um, yeah, and, and within like th- these ten days, think about it. You're in the middle of a world tour. And I got to playing shows all around the world, like U.S. biggest festivals like Coachella and and Governors Ball. And bro, and suddenly I'm in the jungle with monkeys. You know? <laughs> wow, <laughs> that is so crazy. That's <laughs> wow, wow. And then I did see that you were able to actually play a show. What kind of recently? Sixteen thousand seats in Tel Aviv. Yeah, months ago, I played my first arena shows in Tel Aviv. Um, it was like 16,000 seats uh, all over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I, I, it was, I had like mixed feelings about it because it was postponed for almost two years. Uh, we booked it back in 2019. And then I had like this, uh, I would call like a trauma tour uh, that I got back home and I thought that I don't know, ever want to play again. You know, because I was, it was too much. And I was like, I, I got to put touring and music, live live music aside. Um, but yeah, I'm really ha- happy that it was postponed because I understood like so many things about myself and how I want to present the show to people and what I want people <clears throat> to take home, you know, from the show. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's so awesome. And was it like, I'm sure it was emotional for you to come back. And, and I'm bet you that was a lot of people's first shows back in what, a year and a half. Was it, could you tell, like, could you feel like a different energy up there knowing that people haven't seen probably a live show in a year and a half? Yeah. I mean, you can really feel it like with the fans, uh, the way they were interacting with the show, like with me and the, the, the concert itself and the environment and how they really like, I played shows in Tel Aviv, like, um, I don't know, in the past five years, I've never had fans really like that, you know, pouring their souls out. And I feel that's something also related to not having shows for almost like two years mm-hmm. and also related to the content that I gave the show. You know, I, I really, I never opened up, you know, uh, until this album, mm-hmm. I never opened up about myself. Uh, so, so deeply, I would say. And I really did it in the show. I spoke about things that I would probably like never do like uh, before. Um, and people really uh, connected to the message. And I don't know, the energy was just like wild, wild. Bro. Was it, were you kind of nervous about sharing that with people? Like, you know, being that vulnerable on stage? Um, it was weird because before each show, you know, like you have like the stomach ache and you're like, you're about to throw up maybe a bit. Um, and you're just like nervous and excited. Uh And before these shows, bro, I was as chilled as now, 
I was um, talking to. Wow. It was so weird because I've never had anything like that before. And mm-hmm. even like my, my girlfriend, she, she was with me on tour and she, she was really like anxious about me. Like, why aren't you like stressed or, or mm-hmm. nervous at all? You're just like sitting like that and like everything is fine. And you just go up on stage and play in front of like um, 8,000 people and all good, you know? And wow. yeah, bro, it just felt like right. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. That's so cool, man. Well, obviously well-deserved and the record is being received so well. I know. I mean, just the streaming numbers on uh, Spotify alone. I mean, you have over 100 million streams on the record, which is so insane to think about over in just over the course of one month. So, and the the, the album is amazing. And I do appreciate you taking time to, to talk with me today. This has been so cool. Thank you for having me, bro. It's yeah, a pleasure. This is so cool. I have one more question for you um, before, before I let you go on your way, but I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. I have a lot. Do you have time? <laughs> I'd love to hear it. I, too, I got all day. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, okay. No, that's fine. Um, so a few, a few important things. The first one, when you're young and you write songs and you put them you know, in the back of the drawer or back in the computer, you know, um, you're being selfish by doing it. And I will tell you why. Because when I was touring and I and I met fans, you know, and talked to them and the impact that I had, like with songs like Leftovers or even GFY and the fact that like someone approached me and said like, bro, this song saved my life. I was about to jump off a roof. I was about to, I don't know, stab myself or whatever, you know, and, and people were... You, the fact that you are able, I mean, like your words and your lyrics and your melodies are able to change someone's life in the other side of the world without you even knowing about it. That's like the only reason and the most important reason to always release music, you know, always just like do it, just do it. Don't put anything and save it like to yourself and don't, and be shy about it. And that's the first thing I would say. Second, most important thing, don't try to sound like anyone really like when i spent the time like in bangkok i didn't listen to music i didn't have wi-fi in my apartment kind of like the situation that i am right now i don't have internet except my phone so i don't listen to music and when you don't listen to music but you want to you want to hear you know songs and and i don't have fun so you gotta create it you gotta be your own radio station and you challenge yourself and you know like i think that's the the most important thing like always challenging yourself and developing your own sound don't try to to sound like anyone except like yourself and always be true to yourself and eventually that's what makes your sound you know when i studied jazz in in school uh we had tests that you just like listen to a track the teacher would put like a track and it's all like instrumental and you got to recognize the players who's playing like who's the drummer who's the, the trumpet player who's the bass player and like how are you going to do it like with instrumental you know, it's when you think about it, it's super weird. But then when you realize that everyone has a unique sound, if you listen to, I don't know, four or five trumpet players, they all have like different sounds. Miles Davis, Louis Armstrong, Lee Morgan, Kenny Dorn, you know, all these guys, bro. They all sound different and they make the, the instrument and the instrument is the same. They make the sound. And when I realized that, I realized how important it is to have like a unique sound and your own sound. Because if you listen to the album and to, I don't know, my entire, uh, um, uh, how do you fucking call it? Yeah, yeah, discography. Um, 
everything is like different, you know, there are songs that are more like towards, uh, I would say like rock, more like soft pop, more like, mm -hmm. you know, every song is like different. If you take songs like commissions and meditations that are more leaning like into trap, it's always me. You can always recognize myself. And it's not because I have like some sort of a magic powder there. It's just like, I'm fucking <laughs> being myself. You know, it's super easy. You just gotta do it. Don't try to sound like anyone else. Be original. That would be like my two main advices. <laughs> 